0: So what do you think of the current list? What's your overview of the list we've put together? Um, I think it's a list with a lot of potential
1: with a couple of glaring uh, issues that for some reason
0: we just keep failing to fulfill or address rather. Right, so when's the last time we recruited a key position player? I think in 1980. Or drafted, so we've had to do things like trade for 28-year-old Jared Ruffin. Yeah, um, well, yeah, that was, was an
1: easy one to get.
0: And Lyndon Dunn, mm-hmm. who was like 30 already when we got him. Mm-hmm. And they've both been good pickups. I mean, unfortunately, Lyndon Dunn did his knee, or that did two knees. But he was a revelation when he was there. Mm-hmm. But it says something that you're having to go out and find these guys. On and, the recycle bin. Yeah. And you've been lucky that... Um, they have been on the outer with their clubs and actually have translated to, you know, really good full backs. Before that, I would You doing... know,
1: the positive people out there will say that's, uh, it's an indicative sign of a good culture when they come into the club and they hit the ground running and they're clearly better players inside of this environment than the... Well, everybody hits like. the ground running... But that just the means coming... they came from a shitter club. Yeah.
0: But everyone hits the ground running when they came from... And actually
1: in both those cases, they, well, maybe not so much the rough end, but, uh, Certainly Darden came from a basket case.
0: Well, Ruffhead was a premiership player, or he's a premiership player. All right, but you look at the key positioners. So they've had to trade in two guys who are over 28. So even though you've gotten two good pickups, they have short-term careers at Collingwood. Nobody's expecting them. I mean, Lyndon Dunn's a really good example. Dunn, two knees, you know, and that's sort of the thing where you think, okay, well, as you get older, your body probably gets a bit more susceptible. Mm -hmm. Or it's just Collingwood. Yeah, that's the other thing. Then they've done things like got Henry Shade from Gold Coast. That didn't work out. They had Jack Frost as a rookie. Um, Jonathan Marsh, who was a very low pick, like pick in the 70s, I think it was. Corey Gold, another rookie. Mason Cox, who didn't know what football was five years. Um, so the only key position that they've recruited, drafted is Darcy Moore and he was a father-son so there's almost an entitlement that you're going to get him
1: no we were talking about this earlier and, and you can go back to the cloak thing you know these are father-son picks that you know you, you didn't have to work too hard to get them you didn't have to go out and identify the talent track watch them you probably had them earmarked to come into under that program
0: yeah so you have to go back to guys like leading into that 2010 flag uh, from memory they took Reed and Brown in 207. Yeah, the year that we flicked Taz. Yeah, uh, 206, two oh six, two oh seven. They took Dawes a year later. I think they took Anthony, John Anthony, about around there. And they had Cloak from a few years. I think 205 was his first year. So they had a good spine of tall players there. When they already had players holding those positions down in Wakeland, Prestige Camo, Rocker, and Clement. And all these new guys got games. So what a time these other guys went out. These new guys already had like 20, 30 games for the most part. I think Dawes came in relatively inexperienced in that 2010 side, but the rest of it had games here and there. So we really groomed them for, for, you know, very little vacuum of key position players. That's not happening now. Mm. We're taking Will Kelly, who's picked 30 uh, around there, and that's it. Who are key position stocks? I don't know. You know.
1: No, well, obviously... And you're asking
0: guys like Howe and Langdon constantly play taller than they are. Uh, you know, Maynard had to play on Darling at one stage this year because, again, injuries and stuff. And up forward, you're relying on Mason Cox, again, international rookie, and Brodie who was actually recruited as a key, person, key <laughs> defender, and he was another rookie. So, and I, I love both those guys, but it's just like... If you want quality tools then you need to spend, can it with what you're know, expecting. Now, I know you can find some really good players lower in the draft, but geez, we haven't really spent very much on finding those players, have we?
1: No, it's like we, we invest more in, in, the, in the search for a Ruckman than we have with a key, key position forward. So like that Darcy that we've um, gotten from Sydney, Oh yeah, yeah he's. Um, I mean, he's surely coming in as, as as backup to the ruck, like this year when we lost um, Cox, we didn't have a, a a backup to to help Grundy um, that was going to be viable, and clearly that he's brought in for that. I, I don't imagine he's come in with any aspirations to be a key forward. Certainly, judging by his highlights, that shouldn't be a uh, an issue. Not setting that expectation, but again, we're not really pursuing. I mean, I, I believe we've. We're we're talking to that Riccardo, um, yeah. and he's been nominated, or to us, into Riccardi, uh, in some phantom um, drafts. It looks like they're addressing a need, but you get, look, yeah, we're gonna have to put, wait till pick
0: thirty, but whatever, to, to the hike. phantom drafts are addressing a need. We don't know if we will do that. I sorry, I forgot. McLarty was another one in there, a lower pick, okay. so and that, that obviously didn't work out. So it really frustrates. But he was me.
1: brought in as a key defender, though, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah.
0: Yeah, but I'm just sort of saying like anyone with any height, they really haven't brought these guys in and they've almost been negligent. I know the argument might be we haven't had opportunities to um, draft these guys given, you know, when we've had picks. But I mean, if you go back to that Schoenberg-Freeman draft, I think that Hilmerberg was there. We could have had a shot at him. Um, so we, I don't know why. Is it? Have they identified internally that they don't want any tools and they just want this running, running side? A lot
1: of that comes back to that, because you remember Buckley was talking um, at the end of Hawthorne's dominance is that you don't look to template sides on their decline. You look to those up and coming. And he, he often talked about the dogs as, as being um, that template for the future where they had those really small, hard running types all over the place. But then you've got to realistically look at one of the key reasons they won the flag was that was Brigham Boyd in. Boy, number you know, one draft pick. And then, you know, even this year with, with
0: Richmond and Lynch, there's still a need for these big-bodied key okay. position forwards. So we disagree on this one, but I'll throw it out. Darcy or 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 back. Look, I see merit in both um, the arguments. I keep looking at his
1: performances down back, and I like what I see. If you move him up forward, there's a void there that needs to be filled. But, however, this year, um, who have we got coming back? Dunn, I don't think... We'll be ready. Do we have anyone coming back? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we're cloning someone. But, you know, there's an opportunity to, to free him up. And, look, you play him as a swingman at the, and, and have the best of both worlds, I would have thought. But how often did he ever get swung up forward? I think maybe once, he, twice got, this year, I think it ever happened. From memory, and already, in,
0: only against Norfolk, we we're like eight goals down already. So, I don't know if you expected more to kick 12 goals in the quarter. For me, you can find... Really good key defenders, lower in the draft. Case in point is Jeremy McGovern. Saying
1: it? it's an easy job to do. Yes. He's, He's good just going to stand there and punch the punch. ball. Punch, that's yeah. run and punch.
0: So he was a rookie pick. Barras was like about pick 30 or 40. I know there's been a couple of higher picks like um, Phil Davis for the GWS, was like a pick 8 or whatever. But I think when you have guys who have flair, that's more suited to forward, the forwards. Now, if you look at the premiers of the last 10 years, actually I'm going to go back to that far. So Richmond, Rewalt, well, I think it was pick 13. Um, Tom Lynch would have been a top 10 pick. Who won the flag before Richmond? Um, Bulldogs, boy, pick mm-hmm. one. Hawthorne, Ruffett, pick five. Ruffett and Franklin, pick five and three. But the thing is, like, even... Collingwood, Travis Cloak would have been the top 10 pick. We, we were allegedly heavily into Lynch and, and, and tried
1: really hard to get him across. So if you're busting a hump to, to get that one Well, guy, then you recognise Then why aren't you... Yeah, he, you you recognise is an issue. Why aren't you then pursuing everyone else that, that, that's got one up and coming? You know, surely, you know, this trade period, we, we haven't grabbed anyone of, of height or, or, or targeted when we talked about identifying for need, but nothing's really come of it.
0: My cruise with more is the things that people love about him as a defender would be what makes him dangerous as a forward. He's attacking, he's a good mark, he's quick through size. That's great as an intercept defender, but as a forward, that's exceptional. Uh, I think, I've said this to you before, as a defender, there's too many instances a defender can't impact. And Jeremy Cameron proved that in um, the prelim. On the lead, Moore just got chopped up. Not blaming Moore, but it's like, well, why are we wasting all your talent down there following a guy who's 10 metres in front of you? You might as well throw someone else there. Let's put you into our forward line where you can do the same to them. Moore's never actually got him to play in a functional Collingwood forward line. The years that he was there as a young, skinny up-and-comer, and and, you know we all recognise forwards take longer to develop, and people are sort of like, I know there's certain people like getting frustrated that he wasn't doing enough. It's like, well, what do you expect him to do in that side? I mean, the one thing that annoys me with criticisms in football, but like when it comes to Collingwood, and I saw Anthony Rocker cop this quite a bit too. Is like people expect the key forward to mark the miraculous marks when the midfield kicks it 50 meters, bombs it in the air, allows the forward to get quadrupled teamed, and they're going, "Oh, geez, why isn't the forward marking?" You saw Cox just getting pilloried this year. Why aren't you taking marks? Well, maybe if he stopped kicking it totally to his disadvantage while he's got free players hanging off him, he might get it. The one game he, you actually got it to him quickly against West Coast, kicked four goals. Fair. Wasn't that 3 No, it was West Coast one. Uh, we came back at one by a point. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Lost the 3 Um It's one of these things like, you've got to be able to use the forwards' talents. More, I would actually like to see now that we do move the ball with a little bit of skill. I'd actually like to see him thrown up there uh, and actually, you know, see what he's got as a full forward. I've, the reason I'm saying this too is I think it's a lot harder to fill this spot at full forward than it is to fill that spot at full back. The problem with
1: doing this is, though, is that uh, Coxie won't get a game.
0: So be it. you need, and this is one thing. So this goes right to my next point. If you're going to run a club, run a team, you got to be fucking ruthless. All right. So you got to pick your best twenty-two. Not oh, you yeah, know, let's play this guy because one of you know, want to be you know good sports about it. And I had a lot of arguments with people at the start of this year when we took Dane Beams said, oh, I'll take him, but not for what they're charging us. There's too much romanticism attached to that trade. And there's too much for me politicizing about that trade. That, Let's get this guy back. you left on bad terms with Buckley. How's it going to look when we bring him back? Buckley opens him with welcome arms and blah, blah, blah. How good's it going to look? Now, the thing that's just with the beans trade is you've had to shed James H now. People are saying, well, you know, I don't know if it's true, but the journalists are reporting our salary cap's really tight. How did you not know that last year? Surely any good list management would have said, okay, in the next four years, you're going to get guys like Grundy, um, Moore, DeGoey, Degoe, Stevenson. They're the obvious names. So we're going to put their hand out and say, I want a lot more money now because they're going to capitalize on their talent. And then you'll get guys like Maynard, um, Crisp, you know, these guys who are actually going to say, yeah, well, I'm pretty good player now too, so give me some money. Why did you not, f- not factor that in when you approached that beams trade? Seeing that they had to shed that H, I would have really just said about beams, yeah, we'll take him if it's pick 19 and that's it. We're not paying any more for that. We can't actually fit him in. We'll take him for two pick 19s and you can front his two-thirds of his salary for the next four years. We can't afford it. We got players who are going to be asking for salary increases, so we need to keep room for him. That, to me, borders on negligent that they actually did that. Now, this has got nothing to do with retrospective wisdom because beams hasn't worked out on field. You look at Richmond. Richmond won the flag. A year later, picked up Tom Lynch. Collingwood loses the grand final and now have to get rid of the player. And according to um, what the journalists were saying, we had so many players like on the market because we're trying to free up salary cap rooms. Like, if that's true, that is deplorable. I mean, how do you feel about the beams trade Oh,
1: it's not looking great at the moment. Um, he's got three years to acquit himself. but To acquit himself? Acquit himself? Is it, yeah. got, no, no, the, no yeah. just, i just mocking calling it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, at the moment, it's not looking great. Now, you know, he gets his self right, gets his body right, gets his headspace right, and starts a pre-season, then... then you know, you might get another year out of him at, at a good level. How but good, he's, though? he's, what, 30 next year? Yeah.
0: Or he's, he's at that age where breaking comes well, how, natural. I'm, so he's gone for like two pick 19s or whatever it is. Um, how good does he have to be to justify that expense? Oh, he should have been holding up a premiership cup this year, I would have thought. But I mean, in terms of just him, because he can't obviously win the flag by himself.
1: No, so individually, you'd
0: expect him, for what we paid yeah. at his age, his contribution should have been above and beyond. Yeah, so, so you'd expect him to be exceptional. Oh, not definitely. Just, not just a contributor, but yeah. exceptional. And his
1: form last year for the Lions should have dictated that that was a good position. You know, if you... Coming off a, um, a, a loss in a grand final, he should have been icing on the cake, but it just didn't work.
0: So, I mean, it's so ironic to the... You know, pre-trade week, it was like the, all the news Colin which trying to find a way to trade back into the first round of the draft. Well, you had one and you gave it away. And that's, again, so... And you've you, done that a couple of times now. So you would have surely known before, you know, it wasn't like they got to trade week, or draft week, sorry, and they said, do you realise we don't have a first draft pick? It's like no one shortly said that. Surely they knew they gave that up. Surely they knew taking beams on was going to inflate the salary cap. So these are two... Um, mitigating factors which you know extend from that trade which no one fought through and that shoots me that to me was again that was an emotive decision I'm sure you know there obviously are professional reasons he would have improved the team at his best and all that sort of shit but sometimes you just got to look and go you know what this is not going to work for us sorry you know we can't afford it both in terms of what we've got to give up and fitting him in the salary cap
1: it was a high risk trade I mean granted he had a great year last year but He's had the mental health issues that really should be a warning because, obviously, this thing, you just don't get over it and it goes away. He's had injury issues in the last couple of years. It was a high-risk trade in terms of the the, the, the benefit,
0: the reward, rather. Let's say, hypothetically, he played the whole year. He won the Brownlow, We didn't win the flag. Has that trade paid off? And we now have to get rid of Aish. And we're still trying to trade back into the first round. It's a hard one. So to me, that still doesn't pay off the trade. In terms of what we know now that we needed to get rid of a player and that we've got this inflated salary cap and we've lost an early pick in the draft, that then I would have just said, no. Nah. So if you all hinged to like the trade success, like, well, he was holding up the Premiership Cup and great, he contributed to that, then that would have been like a real... Real, you know, like picking a number on roulette, a specific number on roulette and winning, and that to me would have been like, if you look at the grand final, I would have said, "All right, lost by five points, we'll get more and Elliot back. What we really need here is another key positioner, and possibly a small crumbing forward." And I've said it to you before. I would have rather they went after Wingard than they went after Beams because I reckon he would have fitted mm-hmm. what we needed a bit better. I would have rather they went after that May a lot harder and played him and then still got him rough head and played Ventu as the key position defenders and played more up forward. I think the Beans one was like not something we needed. As I said, I would have loved him back but not that cost. And now you see there's like continuing cost to it. So it doesn't, to me, seem very smart management.
1: No, and look, it's there. The A lot of it feels like it's it's partly placating the masses too. Um, that was Ned Guy's first year as list manager. I think they wanted to go out there and be seen to be landing a scalp. They couldn't get who they were chasing and this just looked like a, a great opportunistic moment to make it happen and I think we got bent over it.
0: For well, it. I think, you know, I would have loved to see them say no. I, and I know that wouldn't have placated the masses but I would have loved the to just say, hey, we're not going to do the good guy thing. We're just going to do what's right for where we are and where we're going to be in the short term. Now, obviously, a football club is a cyclical beast in terms of salary cap because it's, you sign a play to four years, so it's like the salary cap's always going to change depending on the salaries you're paying for. But it's derelict to me that you would have known this salary cap's going to inflate because you've got some young guns who are really going to start asking for money. Grundy was already an all-Australian ruckman last year. Sydney was sniffing around Darcy Moore, so you know these two mm. are going to start paying. North Melbourne was sniffing around Jordan Goey. So why has nobody anticipated that, you know, what in a few years' time, we're going to have to pay these guys a lot more. Why somebody just said, yeah, let's take beams on, it'll be tight, and then what's the strategy at the end of the year?
1: Yeah, and that's why yeah. I can't see the sense in, in giving Dunn another year. Um, who else do we extend? Reid. Possibly Varko. Probably Varko. Now, look, I can understand that you've got some seniority there and you've got some fallback, but the reality is, is they're going to be lucky to get on the park. The three of them. I can next only year. imagine. I, I'd rather have jettisoned them for that savings and kept H, who
0: looked like he was gonna. Oh, I was gonna if, get to H. He had a bit of potential. Just with those guys, I can only imagine they're on now base salaries, which so is still about 150k a year. No, but I'm just saying, like if you got but, rid of them and p- took in pick 58, it was gonna be the same yeah, salary.
1: But the, 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 I mean, um, we're gonna talk about H a little bit, but I'd I imagine that, that let's say conservatively H was on three to four hundred a year. Yeah. We got rid of him. I don't think that's given us a huge um, amount no. back. Now, look, ultimately, too, we're talking about not so much salary that's already in place. This is about next year when guys like Reed, Varco, and um, Dunn will, that'll be there last year's next year. So that money was coming back anyway.
0: I would rather have jettisoned it now and kept Aish rather than wait off the inevitable no, and, I'm, and, I'm, and lose him. And But I'm saying with Reed and that, like, if they're getting paid base salary, you jettison now and you bring in the draft, they're just going... to Drafted, they're going to get the same salary. Yeah, well... So you're not really actually <laughs> saving anything by... No, j- no. That's just I'm guessing. I'm guessing they're on nothing on the, on the base salary, and they've been told, look, we'll play you, or we'll keep you on the list, but look, you aren't going to be break glass in case of emergency. We're not going to go you as our first choices. I've, you know, now that I've said that, fucking Noles, line up round one next year, <laughs> all of them. And play all 25 <laughs> games. Yeah, but like, mm. I'm just sort of think. If they're on the base salary, then regardless of whether they're on the list or not, we still would have been paying that base salary to someone. So, and I think they want, because of their lack of tools, they want a couple of guys who probably have experience fighters who can come in, play two free games, drop them again, and bring in whoever your best option. That's what I'm guessing. I don't know. Hmm. Maybe they're just totally clueless. Aish. Uh, I'm really pissed off they did this trade. I'm massively pissed off.
1: Yeah, look, and, and
0: Aisha has pretty much come out and said he didn't want to go. He, he loved being
1: at the club. I think his upside was, was you know, look, before he got injured, he was tracking along beautifully. I think he would have been still a very handy player for us. I, I don't see the sense in, in jettisoning him now. I, it just doesn't... Look, it obviously frees up some space that we don't necessarily immediately need. We're not trading for anyone. Um, this This deal was done with about... Fifteen seconds to go on trade day. It could have happily slipped aside because yep. we weren't influencing any other trades or getting anyone in. So I just don't see the sense in it, really. Well, when,
0: when he really showed a lot of promise at Brisbane, he was playing as a half forward. He's come to Collingwood and been played as a half back. Now, granted, at half back he hasn't been spectacular or anything. He hasn't, you know, he hasn't showed like the dash of crisp or the, you know the sort of the mongrel of Maynard or anything like that. But you've pumped fifty games into him. And he's at twenty three years of age. He's right in that age bracket where you want, you know, the core of your side to be when you're challenging. Why? I, I don't know if like internally they just don't rate him. Um, Justin Longby obviously rates him because he mm. wanted him. You know, it's like Collingwood shocked him around. Justin Longby actually asked for him. unless Buckley rang up Longby, only second you asked for Asia. <laughs> Take Asia. I think he's going. But in terms of upside. If he stayed at that level for the rest of his career, then he's still a pretty solid player. But he had the potential to have really good upside. And, you know, I, don't think, I think he'll prosper in the next few I years. And it'll be one of those zones where we're looking and go, we shouldn't have got rid of him. So, but- I mean, we, we've done it for an exchange of third rounders or something, wasn't it?
1: And uh, an early second rounder next year. Now, clearly, hopefully next year is some sort of enormous super draft. Because I think we're trying to obviously get in to the to the then um, to the to the start of it next year we'll have a first rounder finally for the first time in about ten years um, an early very early second rounder and then but then next year is was there something there wasn't priority pick. No. No, that was... Well, we wouldn't get a priority. No, for Gold Coast. Did that, didn't oh. they? Oh, I don't know. I don't oh, know. no, it's this draft, isn't it? Yeah. It is for Yeah, this they year. got like picks one, two, three. Yeah, so four, look, next year we, we could have a, a couple of handy early picks. But I don't, how that helps is now, I've no idea.
0: But the H1s are like a... Whatever it was, it's a lot of picks. So who gives a fuck? I mean, H2... Surely they weren't bursting at the seams... I know H1 is security, but it's like you're contracted, so you know what? You're staying. That's all it, comes, it gets down to. And if we lose you for nothing, we're pretty much losing you for nothing anyway, so yeah, you're going to fucking stay. Nobody's coming out of contract this year now that hasn't no.
1: been signed up, so there's no salary crap relief. I, know, I, like, I don't...
0: Know. I mean, the, the one problem with trade... Oh, and I hate this period, this trade period, because... um, What's a really diplomatic way of putting it? Um, I have... Like this... 90% of journalists are so fucking full of shit, someone should take them out and beat them with their shit because the amount of crap, and you get players now starting to call them up, and go, that's just total fiction, how are you saying that? The amount of players we apparently shopped around to other clubs, the amount of issues that we had internally and all that sort of shit, and the other stuff that, like, runs around, like... And it's, like, the problem with fucking modern journalism, and I'm going to go on a rant, is, like, you say, oh, well, you know what... Buddy Franklin's looking to come back to Victoria. A source close to me tells me he wants to finish um, with Hawthorn. Well, there it is. How the fuck do you query it? Because a source close to me says it, and you know, I'm not revealing my source. So if you claim I'm a liar, just say, well, this is what my source tells me, and I take umbrage at you calling me a liar. They just make up whatever fucking shit they want, and then they peddle it as clickbait. And it's so irresponsible. I just wish all of them would fucking get the sack. Or go right for Neighbours or something if you're going to make up bullshit fiction. Sorry, so I went off on a tangent there, but that's what shifts me in terms of like, I don't know how tight that salary cap is. No,
1: know? look, it's, it's all speculation. It's, it's like me plucking the numbers out of thin air just before. I don't know. And they wouldn't
0: know. Who'd know? Well, I don't know. When a few unless of, they start declaring salaries, no one knows. No, and a few of the journalists, and I won't name them, but it's Damien Barrett and Tom Brown. And <laughs> the, the, the amount of, airspace they're getting now it, it, it really oh, doesn't it's, my head it's
1: in. you know it's it's just crap because you've got f- six shows a week on the radio and then repeat it all on some TV show at night it, it, there's just a lot of airspace there to fill us too much coverage of, of football these days
0: but anyway we've sort of gone off track and part of the bullshit that came up was like the whole Brody Grundy debate about oh well he's, he's, he's checking out his options even you know, his contracted and Grundy came out with and goes, I'm happy to wait until next year. He would, won't be allowed to, though. We differ on this again. Would you give him seven years? He's 25? I would, but there's conditions with my seven
1: years. One are the conditions? i give him five week. years with um, two performance-based years at, at uh, the tail end. So if you meet the criteria of the five years, you get your extra two. Okay. But that's going to be then dependent on what your output is, the amount of games played, you, you pay... You, um, um, but then I don't, I'm not sure how the cap has to then cater for that. So, But there, there must be provisions for, for um, performance-based contracts. So you get a base wage, and then when you, you meet your targets, you do this, you play this, you move this, then you get paid the extra on top. But somehow, though, that still has to be contained in the cap. But, look, I think it wouldn't be unreasonable to think that in year six and seven, your outputs are going to be nowhere near the first lot, that your salary would then come back down at any rate. But I give him the seven,
0: five, definite with two, um, performance based. <coughs> I mean that's fair enough if if they can get into a agreement. It's I don't even consider it. It's not even about Grundy. If for me it's just like I wouldn't be signing anyone the seven years. You don't know what you're going to get. Um, and the example I use is Ben Reid. If you sign him in two eleven as an Australian centre half back, you sign him for seven years. And then you look at the way his career is really... Well, essentially we have. Yeah, we have. I know. Someone said that to me. But in terms of, well, imagine you're paying him top dollar for those seven years, you'd be pretty disappointed on return, no offense, Ben. But he's had a lot of injuries and it's just too big a time frame to um, expect that's nothing, especially a column. Nothing untoward's going to happen. And you look at the the Franklin one now. He's he got ten years what, oh, is he still, what, year, what years? Is he, he in there, six or you, something, yeah, there, and he yeah. can barely get on the
1: park. Yeah, you know. And look, they would have fully realised that that was going to be the case, but they thought, you know, and look, it almost worked. They almost got two flags. Uh,
0: yeah, almost ain't good enough. So you know, that's it. So you,
1: again, you look at that and say it
0: was a failure. It is a failure, you know. And I just. Honestly, with Grundy, if he's adamant on seven no conditions, then Adelaide get free first round draft picks ready. Yep. Uh, and just talking on Grundy because Grundy was going to be my next point. I think he's an elite ruck ruck rover. When he starts doing it himself, when he plays as a mid, he's fucking unparalleled. As a ruckman, I still don't think he's anywhere near elite because he gets those numbers which don't convert to you know, uh, taps to advantage. No, but there is massive
1: scope for improvement there. Yeah, Oh, there is.
0: And I'm not blaming him specifically because I've said there's like, there's some communication issue there, which I think... Um, and he it,
1: acknowledged that at the end of and, the And that that, that
0: really pissed me off because this happened in the grand final in 018. Yeah, it's like, and it's like, what? Not, not, I'm not pointing this at Grundy. This is the whole club. And you know what? Even if a player was fucking up to like that extent, I'm not saying he is... But if a player was, I wouldn't blame him. I would blame the fucking coaching staff. You know, it's like Mr. Miyagi said, no such thing as a bad student, just bad teacher. The coaching staff should be sitting there watching going, oh yeah, he's won 68 taps and nine of them have gone to our players. Do we need to work on Nah, fuck it. You should actually recognise there's an issue there and you should actually be working to fucking remedy that. And... I didn't see that addressed anyway. Maybe it was, and it just wasn't translating, but that frustrates me that... Yeah, I think Rocker's working hard on it. All his his abilities... (laughs) But who's in charge? Is it Rocker? Is it the midfield coach? Is it Harvey? Is it Hockey? Is it Buckley?
1: I mean... Well, Rocker's a ruck coach, so surely his synergies would be uh, working with the midfields.
0: Look, honestly, the other thing, too, is people sort of point things at assistant coaches, and I just say, we know what. I excuse all assistant coaches. You're such an apologist it stops with Buckley. He's in charge. The buck stops there. Yeah. He should be looking at it like, and if Rock is not getting this work in, Buckley should go, well, Rock, you make this work, or you're fired. Or you're fired. That's all it comes and whoever the midfield coach is, you make this work, or you're fucking fired. Okay, I'm sick of watching this, because he's the one who oversees all of it. So, it's ridiculous sort of for people to run around blaming, just individual coaches, and going, oh, well, they're doing this shit job. It's like, They're answerable to the guy in charge. If the guy in charge is not overseeing what's happening there, then you know what? That's the guy in charge's fault, not the fucking other guy's fault. Anyway, sorry. We're going to go on to coaches a bit later. The guy, where's he playing in the future? North Melbourne? (laughs) Uh, Midfield. Yeah, midfield for me. Um, Trelaw, Another club? Disappointing. Oh, sorry. I thought you wanted to trade him.
1: Uh, No. Not not, not yet. Um, No. Look... He gets I think it's a massive ask. Look, he, he's, he's clearly got ability. He was always a massive ask to expect a lot coming off Terran both hamstrings off the bone. And he's come back, and I thought this year... Do you cut him slack to say, look, it's no. still a... I'm rediscovering my body no. but Look, his numbers were up high, but I think numbers just really overflate the players' output these days. Numbers it's, are bullshit it's, nowadays. You, know, you, you can chip the ball sideways for 20 minutes, and there's, there's, there's 10 or 15 possessions that suddenly make up that magical 30 to 40 range that really, what did you do at the end of it all? Um,
0: better year. Um, I still expect more from him. All right, so my problem with Trelaw, I love Trelaw, so you know what? I This is not like a whipping boy or anything, but he is a guy I don't want to fucking see him inside a pack ever again. No, exactly. unless he's running right out of it. You know, um, he should be on the outside. He should be sprinting. He should be breaking lines. If you're just going to stand there and get handballs out, then you know what? Let's go fucking recruit. I don't know, fucking let's go get Shane Bree back to play that role, because that was you know the role of someone who is specialising in just feeding the ball out. Trawler has all these weapons, and you're not maximising them. Again, part of that I think is Collingwood's fault, the, the coaching staff's fault. They should be working out ways to use him better. He's getting trucked in there, and if anyone thinks that that's translating to um, productivity just because he's getting numbers, they're fucking mistaken because it's just not impacting the game. Yeah,
1: look, I think this year that was that was unfortunate necessity um, because there was no one else. We didn't have Cy, si, we didn't have Wheels, we didn't have Adams there for a, a fair period of the year. They're, they're all blokes that relish the, the hard contest and will put their head over the ball and dish it out effectively. Him playing that role was just a, a disaster.
0: Yeah. Do you think our midfield's overrated? Oh, absolutely. So it's not the greatest midfield ever assembled? Oh, no. Do you think it's, like, in the top 10? It has the potential, but I don't think it's in the top 20. No, I don't think it is um, either.
1: No, look, it's got the potential to do it. It just doesn't gel. It just runs to the wrong positions. It doesn't write and run both ways all the time. It's got so much ability, but none of it is clicking yet. And I don't know whether it... Will, will it? Penelby's... I mean, was, ninety-four, yeah, um, amazing year, all things considered, how much you hated him at the start <laughs> of the year, is that um, it's a big ask for him to back up that next year. Look, oh, he, probably, should be,
0: he should be feeling, you know, I can taper off a bit, another guy's going to take over. Uh, I, but who's coming in to replace
1: uh, him? I
0: really think if the list that they have, they really need Sire, Wills and Adams to constantly be in the middle, to be the one guy fighting, scrapping to win it out. And then you put the other guys like Phillips and Pendles and Trelaw on, on the outside. But those three guys, and plus, uh, with Siren and Wills, I mean, the one thing that shits me in terms of our list management is please stop recruiting short guys who are like 60 kilos. Hi, Noble. Not, you know, I'm sorry, John, but I mean, they've been doing it for a while um, I'd rather see Noble up four, to be honest, but um, they've been doing it for a while. Sire wills both 190 centimetres plus, really big, stand up in tackles, take hits and all that. And this is the way the game's going. The game's going to bigger players. It's not going to smaller players. It's constantly evolving to bigger players. So why do you keep trying to compete with these bigger sides with smaller fucking recruiting? I don't get it. So-
1: Maybe it's like cartoon characters. They just slip between their
0: legs. And I, I think if you have like guys like Sire and Wills and you know Adams and doing that hard work and I would have thrown Greenwood in there before he did his knee is you get that sort of West Coast type midfield where it's like there's no real, you know, superstar where you're going, fuck, you know, that Crips type but they're all really, really fucking good. And they're all contributing to a really good mm. midfield. I'm sorry, that's probably a little bit hard on guys like Shue and that who've been really good, but you know, you look at some midfields and they have the genuine superstar. You know, who is like that, Crips. Um, and we probably don't have that anymore. And I think the best midfields, if you go back, like... You look at our 2010 flag side. The midfield was... You had the bloody constant run of Swan, the class of Pendlebury, the dash of Thomas, mm. the grunt of Ball. And it was just... They all did different things and they all complemented one another. And mm. then you had all these proofful guys like Willingham and all that. And it was just such a great of combing one another and they don't do it at the moment.
1: No, and there's still the underlying issue out of it all too is, is they just collectively get smashed in the clearances each week.
0: Yep, and none of them seem to be practiced. Stevenson, where's he playing?
1: Um, still forward for me. I think he's very dangerous up there and he needs to put on a bit of weight to run in the midfield.
0: I would play him up forward but I'll give him some runs on the wing uh, just to start grooming for that. Finally, your whipping-wise still side bottom. <sighs> This is the awkward one. I'll say what I said before. I probably get criticized for bagging side like I don't like him. I do really like side I think, he, as a midfielder, he's a very good player. But when I hear he's elite, it just makes me think he's not elite. You know, And if you think you're, he's elite, you're overvaluing him. Dustin Martin's elite. Nathan Fife is elite. Patrick Cripps is elite. Do you seriously put side-bottom in the same grouping nice. as those players? And that's not a criticism of Cybom. That's a, you know that's just those other free guys. They're genuinely elite players. I remember, like going back twenty years, Buckley, Voss, and Hurd were like always the free elite players at the top. And then you had guys just under him like Scott West and Robert Harvey. Cybottom, um, I think, actually has the capability to be an elite forward.
1: Yeah, I agree with that one.
0: As a forward, I see him take the game on. With a temerity that I don't see him do as a midfielder.
1: And he's got pretty good goal awareness too.
0: And you'll do things like he'll try and shrug tackles, he'll do steps for. He does not do that as a midfielder, he often like runs, stops, props, kicks it backwards. As a forward, it's like, oh, I'm gonna take this on. I'm gonna bork a guy. I actually thought he used to do that as a midfielder, and he just doesn't seem to do it anymore. Um but in terms of like the way we look at our list, I think sometimes we look at guys and go, well, this is how great they are. And the truth is, let's be really honest. How do you compare them with like players at other clubs? Um, and sidebottom is not an elite midfielder. I, I, to be honest, I don't think we have an elite midfielder to compare with those guys I've just named. Um, the is probably the closest in terms of uh, elite parallel to Dusty as a forward. He still, The goalie hasn't had time to prove it as a midfielder. Mm. But... Um we don't have anyone in those two guys ca- uh, three guys categories. I I'd love trips at Colony. then I wouldn't have to worry about clearances. <laughs> True. So about the coaching staff? We're going through the list. Should we make changes in the coaching staff? Uh definitely. Who? Uh, uh, Buckley. Buckley get rid of him. Yeah. Um You were saying that in the prelims. <laughs> pre- <laughs>
1: Um, look, I, I'm I'm still not convinced by, Bucks, you know, Um, as a tactical coach, I think no, he's, a, he's very as, solid. He, he's um as a people manager, I think he's improved leaps and bounds. He's doing great things with that list in terms of the way that they they gel and they're playing for each other and playing, um, for the club. Um, they've got he's gotten a lot out of them in the last two years. But you and still love him, you, yeah. But you still bang your head against some of the decisions and and, and whatnot. But I don't think we're specifically talking about him. No, all um, the whole
0: star. I mean, you mentioned Rocker the,
1: as a rock coach. Yeah, that one. Look, you know, love Rock, but I don't understand it. You know, Lockie is still hanging around there. What's he doing? You are keeping some of these guys here? You know, and, and this is one of the the mantras that I've i um I pined about for a, for a while is. Is that everything wrong with Collingwood is the Collingwood people that that, are, that that keep coming back to the club? You're not bringing any great fresh ideas outside. You've got your own little sort of sanctum that you're just keeping around for for what end? I'm not sure. I'd be still look. You know, I, I'm I'm astounded, and I said it. I think during the, the year that once Hodge announced his retirement, why isn't he working for us? He's the perfect sort of bloke that you'd bring in. Comes from a winning culture, understands success, has a, a, a an absolute staggeringly huge amount of um, proverbial inside of him. These are things that would be of enormous benefit to us. And from what I... I don't think we even spoke to him. But Maybe he was earmarked for someone else. I'd like to hear that they at least went out and tried to get him. Now, coming back to, like, you know, um, Harvey. Harvey's been there... I think he's been there since... Pretty much. much well. And look, at, at this stage, what what what... What changes you bring? In? What what structural thoughts are, are different to the ones that you've had? You've had a lot of time now. I mean, even for his own career, he should be
0: moving somewhere yeah. else. Um, I mean Gavin Brown did that.
1: Yeah, and you know, I think he's just—you're just not getting a lot of fresh injection of ideas I- into into that coaching
0: area. So yeah, look, you know, you had well that—that that nails a thing. What you said, I, I, unless you're winning flags every year, you're going, well, why would we change it? Are we doing that? No, apparently not. Fresh ideas. You need people from outside the system to come in and go, this is what we're going. Hodge is a really good example of someone I would have thought, hey, he's been playing for about 92 years. He comes from a really good winning culture. Um, I can only imagine he did wonders at Brisbane on field and as a mentor off field. Seems like a perfect candidate.
1: Oh Look, I would have brought him in with a, with a view of grooming him uh, for a succession plan. Because that's what we do yeah. in the competition now. But you know, look, let's assume the worst, and we taper off in the next two to three years. That's that's Buckley's cards marked. Yeah, you've got to have something there, and I would have thought he would have been the unless the, it's Nick Maxwell, the perfect. Game. Well, actually, actually, I think Maxwell is, is has no aspirations to coach. Nope. He's going to be running the club in a couple of years' time. Well,
0: i make like a really just, and I think he's
1: a great. Great acquisition yeah. back in oh, yeah, Collingwood. That, That's one exemption to my... Um, oh, oh um, hypocrite. Ah. <laughs> the, 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 the too much Collingwood in Collingwood.
0: My, my uh, um, view would be really simplistic here is I actually would love... All right, actually, look at the guys they got. they got Buckley, played in two losing grand finals. they got Hawking, I, play, I think he played in about four. And Harvey, I think he only played in the one. Jeez, Harves, come on. <laughs> lift your game. Yeah. They haven't got anyone from a winning culture. Actually, he would have played in two, I think. Harvey, did Yeah, he... didn't the Saints make two and lose? No, so two against us. They, no, yeah, they, but he wasn't playing in you know, 08. Uh, was it, 09? Oh, nine. It was 97. 97. Eight, eight, eight. He, he lost the one against Adelaide, but that's the only one they would have made yeah. when all oh, he was playing. They haven't got anyone from a winning culture. And I'd love if they just got an outsider from winning culture like Hawthorne, or just poach someone from Hawthorne and said, come, you know, tell us some stuff, give us some new ideas. What are you doing? Hydra been the perfect guy because he's just finished playing, so... He's obviously a really good on-field general, but there would be others like him. Just change it up every now and again. Mm. You know, and... Like, well, they brought in, um... Longmuir seemed like such a vital injection of new ideas. Well, I think Hawking to a certain extent,
1: because he was part of the,
0: the midfield group, or
1: was he midfield, or...? No, oh, I don't know. I think he was. But he's been moved now into the, the VFL oh, coaching. He's been, yeah, I actually, I
0: like that appointment.
1: Uh, and they brought in, um... What's his name from um, Geelong West Coast? Oh,
0: that guy. Um, yeah, I know the
1: him. head duckers' brother. Yeah, Selwood. Selwood, that's it. Um, but you know, look, uh, Dangerfield, who's pretty much running the competition these days, tweeted that uh, we got a beauty there. So, look, I'll reserve judgment on that. But clearly, he's got aspirations, and he must have something uh, good behind him. So look, that one, at least, will be um, interesting. But again, it's it's not from a winning. No. I suppose, you know, yeah, yeah, no. he tasted a little bit of success, but.
0: Um, he didn't play the premiership or anything with those guys did he he might have played in one of those in that 06 one or, yeah, whichever know. one it was that one, yeah I just think they need to change it I mean it's really got less to do with the particular individuals there but the fact that you know what you're not winning flags at the moment, so you need to find that edge, and it's not going to come from the same people who've been there for 10 years. No, it's, it's time for change. And that's, you know, no offence, I mean... Like, and and just driving changes, yeah. it just isn't, doesn't, doesn't yeah. feel enough. Or moving them around. Hmm. So I would really be headhunting particular people. They would surely know if in their own circles who um, are really good targets. Uh, you know, and even guys like Alan Richardson, who might not have been... I mean, I don't think Zekila did him any favours of his recruiting and all that. Might not have been a successful senior coach. But when he was at Collingwood as a development developmental coach, he was fantastic. Yeah. And just getting guys like that who have actually been senior coach and gotten more of a taste of it. You know, like Brett Radden's another really good example. Senior coach at Carlton got sacked and he did a few apprenticeships here and there. And yeah, he's got another senior gig. But he obviously has quite a bit of intel to offer. Uh, so there'd be guys who've been around the traps for a while and bring him in. And just regenerate, you know, some of the the outlooks and all that sort of stuff because you know what, you finished second and fourth. Who cares? <laughs> Our favourite thing, injuries. Oh, <laughs> should I'm, we build a seventy million this has only got a capacity for another seven hours. Yeah, okay. Seventy should we build a seventy million dollar facility to we can rebuild this man.
1: Well, see, this is this is the bit that shits me. I mean, that is just a, you know, it's it's, it's, it's I think I made the statement during the rant. So excuse me if I say the same thing. But it's it's the folly of like saying, you know, we're going to go to war, but we don't think there's going to be anyone wounded. But just in case there is, here's a seventy million dollar hospital. It's like maybe go to the source. You know what's causing these injuries, and as much as Eddie comes out with the on the radio with his little narkiness around, well, don't you think we've looked at that? Well, no, clearly not. Yeah, no, they have. Because nothing's changed. You know, you had Swanee coming out. Um, I was going to mention with, that with a, with a tweet um, a couple months ago, I think, saying that he yeah. had to train in runners because the ground was so hard there. Well, what more do you need?
0: The one thing with Eddie saying, "Hey, you know, thought of all this shit and blah blah." is I do wonder if publicly they cannot acknowledge that there's is an issue because if they do, then there'll be players who might come back and say, my career was shortened or derailed by the fact that well, I trained. that's a thing. Let like, me sue you now you for know, tens of millions.
1: You, you, you drive around and you see plenty of suburban ovals torn up and relayed uh, every year. Well, we don't so, see it. I'm just done right here. Then yep. why aren't we doing ours under the guise of that? If we know it's wrong, rip it up, put phone rubber down underneath it, whatever it takes resurface it, none, no one's any the wiser.
0: Well, they should. Uh, it's And whatever the injury manu- management is, because, I mean, you get the one thing, uh, there's obviously something that's contributing to the breakdown of players because it's been happening for eight years. You cannot say it's bad luck now, eight years in. If you look at Hawthorne, and I know we draw Hawthorne as a parallel or as a standard, and it's like, and the reason we do that is because they're fucking successful and you look to the best. You don't look to emulate Gold Coast. You look to emulate the best. Scully wasn't expected to ever walk again. He played a whole season. Patton's gone there. He'll, He'll win the Coleman. i hundred and fifty on him now. You so know, he'd be paid about nine thousand dollars. You look at someone like Surreoli who had chronic hamstring injuries early in his career, and they rehabbed him, and you know he was very. We I mean, still had the occasional hamstring, but he was very reliable after that. Burgoyne, he's uh, eight hundred and yeah, yeah. forty-two years old, and, he's, and guys uh, like he Mi- signed
1: up for another five
0: years there. Even guys like Mitchell and Hodge and Lewis all played you know, into their 30s. Well, into their 30s. Then, whatever you call it, medical management, fitness management, rehab. Beautiful, pristine ground conditions. It's just, it's brilliant, you know? So why don't we go and poach their guys and just offer them more money? Why don't we dig up their training surface and bring that over? Why don't we just on train the, on their surface? On the, on, the back a, on the back of a truck at midnight. You know we can beat Hawthorne in the grand final. Yeah. sock jumpers before the game. Yeah. <laughs> But nothing's changing. Eight years in, nothing's changing. And that's the frustrating thing. It's like, hey, nothing's wrong. You know, let's just fucking keep doing what we're doing and hope that we'll get some games into these players next year. And you get things like, oh, more drugs off. Oh, yeah. It's only a two-week injury, and 12 weeks later, he's back. (laughs) The goalie will only miss 10 days. Nine weeks later, he still isn't fucking in. It's ridiculous and you're only sabotaging yourself you're not you know oh, and you're pissing everyone else off but you're self-sabotaging because you can't get your best players out there so yeah well, apparently it is
1: oh, maybe get nasa involved then, or google earth they can they see our surface and penetrate it
0: no I can penetrate our surface No, because it's made of concrete So looking ahead to next year, what would you do? Changes going into the season? Well, forward to back. Just one word. Um, I'd stick with back. You're wrong. Uh, what else? <laughs> um, uh, well, you,
1: all this is predicated on ad- addressing... Um, Let's religious. say we have full staff, a full list. I'd still look at playing Cox out of the square at the start of the season. Yep. I, I wouldn't push... Um, to go into the midfield yet, I'd still leave him up forward, being dangerous next to Stevenson, and Elliot. However, though, it gives more of an opportunity to rotate him out with with Elliot. But the there.
0: going one for me would be a bit more contingent upon what's happening in the middle. So if the middle's struggling, well, then I start moving. He, when
1: he switches into the middle, his impact is generally immediate, uh, and that's um, doing those stupid little thing called clearances. Yeah, um, I think his work with with Grundy could be sublime. But I just don't think he's got the endurance no. yet to to last there. So, but I'd be looking at shifting more of that time there. I'd stick. Oh, with, so you don't? I'm more at fullback. <laughs> I'd stick with um. I'd stick with uh, Elliot where he is. I think he could uh, build on a good year, hopefully. Um, and certainly as I said before, Stephen said, I'd, I'd keep in. The, he, could, he could snag forty plus goals easily in yep. a year.
0: So, Griez the bulk of that. The goalie midfield, I'd I'd be
1: look at the moment. I'm torn between um, the midfield needs Adams, yeah. Um, We also need one of Sire or Wills in there. As you know, I was very impressed with Wills. My concern about him is, is his pace. I think Sire probably gives a better all round solution. But I wouldn't be adverse into rotating. But I don't think we can play all three every day. Right, I I we need to try it. The thing <laughs> I like about Wills... It's going to rob us of a fair bit of pace, though. Well, who and, cares? And reliability with kicking.
0: The thing with Wills, though, is... Quickest player to 100 tackles. He tackles a fuck of a lot. And you need that. That's an upside. That's a different upside. I mean, I'd I try it. I mean, you're granted, for too slow or too slow, but I'd try it because I'd hope that you play those guys, which then releases guys like Trelaw and that to the outside, and then you get some pace back, which we didn't get this year for Trelaw because he's being stuck in the middle too often. So, you get guys like Trelaw and Phillips on the outside. The other guy I mentioned was side bottom up forward. I'd be rotating him around... Yep. I probably do, for like about six to eight weeks, do triangular rotation between Sidey, the Gully, and Stevenson, with them all taking turns, either in the middle or on the wing. Well, Stevenson, he played a fair bit of time um,
1: rebounding yeah. off defence at yeah. the start of that worked um, well. this year, but no, it didn't work well. Um, but you don't know until you try. Yeah. You've got to have a, a, a sustained period at it. So and that, that,
0: I think at the worst case and that sort of things, you learn a that, little that bit about a different that way That one frustrates me a bit because... You know, like, we talk about, like, try different things. But that's one thing that General was fucking working last year. So it's like, well, why are you changing that one? Yeah. Why don't change? Why don't you change something that wasn't working? <laughs> and and get the broken ones. Yeah. Not the. you know, it, it amazes me. It's like when they reboot. Dude. It's just like, why are you rebooting a hit? Go reboot one that didn't quite work and fix it. You know, it, it doesn't make sense to me. Sidey I'd play out for, I really think he could be a fucking elite forward and kick, seriously, 40, 50 goals. Um, the guy I would like to push in the middle because you. Would anticipate that Scharenberg and Quaynor, and possibly Nathan Murphy, will start getting games in the fence. Is Maynard? I wouldn't mind seeing him in the middle. To me, he reminds me he's got a bit of Mullan about him. He's really got a bit of anger when he plays. He's got a lot of physicality. He's got, he's probably a better. Oh, he is a better kick than Mullan. He's got a raking kick. And He's got a bit of pace, and I, I am trying to inject a bit of pace in there. Mm. Uh, so here's one I would like to see rather than Chris who was the one who was in the middle a bit this year Maynard to me seems to like the the grunty stuff more than Chris Chris likes being a little bit free and run and then take it on like Flipper yeah so that's what I would like to see Um, in terms of you know I'd like to see Tyler Brown get some games yeah definitely and Will Kelly maybe get a couple but yeah, I don't know how heavy they're going to be. How heavy they're going to be next year? Tyler Brown's like about sixty kilos, and he's a waif. And Will Will Kelly's like about forty eight kilos. There was a picture
1: of them recently on Instagram, and uh, I think they were standing side on. It was hard to tell. No, if you're standing side on, you want to but see? Yeah, them. there's nothing of them. And you know, surely, look, it's, it's. I mean, if you want to fatten them up, come and live with me for a week. But. Um, yeah, they, they need to put on, they'll think obviously, muscle mass and, and a bit of weight and, and fill out those bodies. I mean, they are gangly
0: and, and, and whatnot, but we need solid bodies. And the one thing I'd really like to see going back to Grundy is I would like them to tell him, you know what, if we are not winning taps to advantage, start just punching the ball 25 metres. And, yeah. you know what, let's just fucking stop fucking around finesse, and then just Brisbane did it in their free beat, just... Punch the ball forward, make it, have some pre-range signal, fucking tap the shoulder, I'm punching the fuck out of it, and reset twenty-five meters down the ground. And generally, overall, that means that defence is rock solid now that Moore's back down there. No, he's not. How's
1: uh, the be a curious one? Because um, how old, how how old is he? He twenty-nine. Yeah. Okay. Is he that? I thought he'd be a little bit older. I don't know. I so it's... I think there's going to be some contingencies in preparation for. Changes in defence next year as well because you're probably going to have some taper off of form, some that are well, Schoenberg's the one who's
0: really going to have to step up now. And
1: I've got a a great belief that he will. It's always you just he's just one of those players you look at him saying, Is that stumble the moment you've just done another knee? You'll always be really guarded around that. One I'd be
0: open to trying down back is fucking Reed and just saying, You know what. I wouldn't factor him into any plans. I wouldn't be factoring, but like I'm saying, you know, if he's fit and able he was an all Australian some half back. Um he's a, Buckley's really hesitant though to play him down there. I, I, what, just out of curiosity, which do you think would be taking him more toll physically? Uh, playing forward or back as a key positioner? At Collingwood? Anyway. Oh forward. Yeah, you'd think that would be more physical more of a physical toll because you have well, you players double, triple, quadruple teaming you you know, you'd be standing under the ball and fucking players would be jumping on you.
1: You're also doing a lot of zigzag running, trying
0: yeah. to find or run into space. You know, defenders pretty straight on. Do you do realise that um, Colin would do a lot of zigzag running all over the no, ground? It's because of the way the ball comes to you. Yeah. No, but just, you know, cross. Yeah. I But I would really just hope that um, Schoenberg steps up and can actually, and just have a bit of luck. You know, because he's had a lot of fucking bad luck since he uh, was drafted and, you know, make the centre-half-back position his own. Hopefully Langdon can come back. He I mean he tall it's,
1: enough to hold down at... I don't think he is.
0: I think mean, he's... He's that sort of tweening height. Now, it's... He's, he doesn't have the mobility of
1: Maxwell, but he has that same sort of nous. He's, he's a good reader of the ball coming in. If
0: you're playing like that Josh a, Gibson mark type, yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's that sort of thing. Uh, it's always going to be who do you match up on, you know. So if you're playing a side with more moderate tolls, he'd get the second one. Isn't he's never going to be able to man up on like a Ben no, Brown or anything. It's not great one-on-one. Or I don't seem to have a lot of great memories of it. But I mean, he's still young and has well, that's that a lot of experience. It, you know, and that's the
1: thing with his age. He's only like 23, yeah. 24. You know, if his knees hold up, he could still be a very, very good player. And I was, that was one I was a little bit disappointed to hear that uh, Barrett said uh, when he was shoveling his own shit off his face. Um, that he was potentially being shopped around. I think Barrett said it, but just, you just could, you could actually just meld yeah. most journalists into one mould. Um, that he was being shopped around this year, which um, I, I, I thought that was a little bit of a mistake. Considering the, the time and investment you put into him and the patience you've exhibited, you've got to give him a crack at it.
0: I'd be really curious if he was shopped around. I mean, it it's fucking annoys me. He wouldn't be
1: worth anything, though, now. He
0: couldn't oh, be, yeah. Like, I mean, just really be clearing him out for, I don't for know, whatever reason. Yeah, but the, it fucking I mean, it happens at every club, but it's like Sharonberg, you know, didn't play against GWS the first time when they smashed us and they chose for Nappleby. Yeah, that's... And then he got knocked out against Essen, and then he wasn't picked for the final and people go, oh, he must be on the arda It's like, Really? Because no one's ever been dropped in a football game ever. It mm. just must mean that fucking the coach hates you. And there's all these messages oh, did you see the body language between Buckley and Scharenberg at training? It's like, no, there was nothing there. And in the 17,000 photos that were taken, it's quite easy to find the right one that represents you know, a It's like that fucking the, contrived the, the GWS game when they played Appleby was like, hang on, you'd realise Scharenberg came back from an ACL like a week ago and you expect him just to walk straight back in the senior team. And travel, yeah. It's just the, the the shit that comes out that people read into just like innocuous situations, like oh, he's fucking been dropped. They must hate him. <laughs> he's come back to Adelaide. Oh fuck, Grundy! Just see, just see what he's doing. Buckling in his head there. <laughs> fuck. Anyway, finally. So, going back around to... Back to the future. Um, unconditional love. How do you feel about the club moving forward? Now, before we answer this, I'll have to disclose some personal information. You told me your son was flirting with supporting Hawthorne.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, this, uh, yeah, I can talk about that. Am I um, talking about that up front or I'll come back to Just where that? you going.
0: Uh, yeah, oh, we're going to come back to this because this is a whole group of things. I have... Several people I know who are really speculating about renewing their membership next year. I know of one who has quit his membership after 31 years of, with Collingwood. Well, it's actually uh, an can, interesting... Can I, actually, can I, can I yeah, tell uh, this story really quickly? So I'll, I'll, I'll mention his name because he's said it publicly. Taz, who was a former rancist when the Collingwood rant was a website. 31 years. He sent a long letter to the club saying, this is why I'm quitting the club after 31 years. Club sent him an email back going... Oh, well, okay. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. I have a Carlton friend who, about five, six years ago, after Carlton had a bit of an exodus of players, uh, I think Kane Lucas had just gone to Adelaide. He said, fuck, I've had it. I'm quitting the club. And he told the club, he goes, I'm not renewing my membership. Carlton president, Mark Logaducci, I think that's how you pronounce it. Came to his house. Rang him up oh, and talked to him and said... That's best thing. And just said, you know, well, we don't want you to quit. We understand your frustration, but we want people who are playing for carbon, blah, blah. Taz... Wouldn't, wouldn't it, have taken a lot of effort, though, to ring the five disgruntled uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, members they had back then. Um, Taz told me that um, Collingwood did get back to him. Say so they've misplaced <laughs> his email. <laughs> and they called him Gaz. <laughs> so, with all this shit going, you have... I know you have the fanatical supporters there who are just going to support them regardless, but you have a number of disgruntled people. I probably didn't go to as many games this year as I usually would. I know you didn't. Uh, I know a number of people who didn't, and it's just because... I mean, I have to give some of the credit to the AFL for fucking up the game with fixturing and um, ridiculous rule changes and all that bullshit that they do that really just... Destroys the fabric of the game. There's facets of the game that
1: going even going there gives you the shits. You know, kiss cam and, and the crap that they barrel on as entertainment and stuff. Yeah, I'm going to a game of football. I'm, I'm absorbed in the contest. At halftime, I want to I want to read stats. I want to see what's happening. I don't want to see people kissing each other or wank cam go off into the bloody crowd and see who's having one off the wrist or whatever the fuck it is this week. None of it is interesting. No, and I, and I don't know what it is because it, maybe you're, you're you're trying to attract a, a younger type of um, client these days. But um, I was about to say before, there's an interesting thread on EBW at the moment where um, Bell Venice's uh, body double, who we we met. we we met at the Cricks before the last debacle, <laughs> um, and he started the thread about saying he's he's considering chucking his membership in at the end of the year and uh, and was seeking. Uh, people's opinions. There's a lot of people that, that that posted on that board. I don't know of them. they post out foray into that area, but um, similar stories about you know disenfranchised with the game. Um, you know, not, no one's actually I think sort of singling out Colin, which is staggering. Um, but there's there's elements there for the older supporter where it just doesn't feel like it's. It's something that you want to be dragged to no. anymore week in, week out. Like, you know, we were fanatical with it in the in the previous decade. You, you'd be freaking out if you're going to miss a game. and you You're, just, know, you, and just you're before, organizing
0: your entire life around the fixture. And, and just and, before you go to this, I mean, I recall some of the fucking best times we've had, like in 0405 when we were, you know, shit. But it was just fun shit-faced. going. Yeah, but it was fun going, you know. It was fun sitting there. Um it's, it's just fun watching the game, even though we're a shit club. Because I, I don't want people to sort of think, oh, people are, you know, these people are giving up because they don't like it it's getting tough. I mean, they're giving up fucking when we're preliminary finalists and grand finalists. So, so that's actually says something.
1: Yeah, and, it's, 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 and it says, and just you brought up my son before yeah? there. It's, it's channeling that energy into your to your I... kids. Yeah, like we, I, I had no <laughs> choice but to to follow Collingwood. And right from the outset, you felt a fanatical devotion to them. You had bragging rights back then. This is obviously 400 years ago. Um, But you defended it to the hilt. You were trying. You you made grand finals, that sort of thing. There was something there to be excited about. But you see a real... And then there was a lot of us around back then too. And there's still a lot of us around. But I think this is a real dangerous tipping point time for for the club because you go to things like OzKick, and we talked about this during the season, the, the... just one or two Collingwood jumpers, and you know, look, kids will gravitate towards who's successful. That's can,
0: can I just jump in really quickly? What did your sister say following the nineteen eighty one grand final? <laughs> Which one? Eighty one. Eighty one. Oh, well, she got dropped off.
1: We we're watching. The, we watched the game at a friend's place. She got dropped off, and she just ran up to me at the the front yard and said, um, "I'm barricading for Carlton now. They win premierships, Collingwood." No, no, don't. They don't. And fast forwarding to about three weeks ago, this is one of the several conversations I'm having with my oldest son, who's only seven, but he's he's fully aware now that we fail at the hurdle. Um, And this is what we're ingraining in our next generation of supporters, the expectation of failure. He's talking about, you know, Hawthorne winning flags. And look, it's natural they grab it. Obviously at school they, they talk about successful clubs. He's got nothing to go in there with and
0: and brag about other than the fact that we have a lot of supporters. Let me jump in. So about, I don't know, eight years ago, I think it was. Um, what year are we in? Yeah, about eight, nine years ago. Brendan Gale came out for Richmond. He came out? came out for Richmond, took over whatever fucking position he has there, and he had this agenda, he goes... oh of curly hair, I think it is. Yeah, but he said, oh, we want to have 100,000 members, and we want to win multiple flags, and blah, blah. Anyway, and he went on, then we all just sort of went, ha, you fucking idiot. Richmond, as is. <laughs> well, they did it, so yeah, good on you. He's now. Yeah. Well, well I mean... We're <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you look at them. <laughs> yeah. Hawthorne has a blueprint that goes to 2050. How so many flags they got by then? Oh, all f- of them. All of them. But they actually have broken it down, compartmentalised it, saying this is what we want in these blocks up to 2050, and it mentions how many flags they want to win and shit like that. Do we have a fucking plan? I don't know. Do we have a plan? Like, I can't... I, no, I, I, apart from having a
1: representation in every sport, but this reminds me sometimes. you know, just talking about it now, about having that represent. It's like when we had that Conwood Warriors soccer team. And, what side? And... and <laughs> You have these dalliances. Look, and I think it's a lot more entrenched that this is yeah, inevitable. This is where it's going to go, now. But I don't know whether like Hawthorn have any ancillary sides or anything like that, or Geelong. Geelong do they have a? a do they? When I mean, I mean, their focus like... seems to be a little bit more like Hawthorn, corn breeze, win and flags, and that's that's that place that I wish that we were. Gravitating towards just that fanaticism, you walk into that club and they just talk flags.
0: So you mentioned like you've mentioned the previous on the rant, Russell Green, when you went from some killer to Hawthorne. He oh, said he's him,
1: in shock about that. That was the, the cultural difference between those two clubs. Was a was and I've heard. I don't know if it's, it's still the case.
0: Someone else told me, hey, crimo, Someone else told me if it, um, at Hawthorn they have the number of the flag they're going after up, so everyone sees it. This is what we're going for next. This is what we're going for next. That single-minded focus and devotion. To an ideal, surely ingrains within everyone there from the coaching staff to the playing staff. You have Alistair Clarkson who fucking doesn't want to give the full forward on the side who's 17th on the ladder or whatever it was at that stage, 100 goals. He wants to deprive him that little bit of pleasure. and Which I you, respect. Oh, I love that. Oh, fuck, you know. I, I read that. I was going, this is what I would do, you know. Um, but we are nice people. Then that's the problem. Yeah. Is like, do we have. We talk about ruthlessness, and it's like one of my issues in when trying to support Collingwood, and you know when I write that big piece, is like there is something fundamentally wrong inside that club, and I don't blame the people there now for creating it, but they are perpetuating it. In Eddie McGuire's tenure as president for the last twenty years, this is not his fault, but you know he's won one flag, lost four grand finals, and drawn one, which is pretty much path of Collingwood over the course of our history. We just lose flags. The John Hickey administration in the 70s and 80s, they lost four and drew one. Um, you know, and you go back over to 60s and that and the 50s, we're constantly losing three, four, five flags. Why do we keep doing this? We fucking talked about it, but it to me, it really frustrates me that no one there seems to be going, I'm going to fucking try and change this. The one time we had an administration who tried to change it, they failed spectacularly. It was the New Magpies in '83, who, for the younger supporters, you know, we had this real tight, spendthrift administration who refused to buy players, kept losing these grand finals. The New Magpies challenged them and said, "We're going to buy everyone," and they went out and did that, almost bankrupted the club, and just they just bought who the fuck was just laying around. They didn't, <laughs> they didn't even give a shit who they were buying. They just said, yeah, take this guy, sold yeah, mouse. Tag him and tag him. Nothing really seems to be changing, which is what frustrates me. And like as I said, Buckley is the only one I actually feel sees that and he's challenging it, but whether he can... No, I think, Yeah, you know, getting back, I don't know whether I said it earlier, but uh,
1: as much as I love Eddie's tenure, I, I think it's time to come to an end and bring something fresh like in the as a president over the top of the, of the club. Um, look, he's been a wonderful servant. He's one of the unsung... Heroes of the of, of Collingwood. Well, not unsung. He probably sings it himself. Um, but it's time for a change. You it, know who I'd like to be president?
0: Me. You know who else I'd like to be president? Trump. You know who else I'd like to be president? <laughs> John Smith. Who the fuck's John Smith? I don't fucking know. Somebody I don't fucking know. Just go in there. I don't want to fucking hear from you ever. You it, know, it has to be a
1: non-Collingwood type, though. Yeah. You know, I, I want someone to come in with with. A fresh perspective and coming from a successful background—not so much about successful in business or whatever, um, but successful from a from a club that, that's had cultural wonder and cultural success and on field success—and bring some of those ideals. I think you need someone to come in with a fresh set of eyes. Because as much as like Eddie's been there twenty years, he's been hanging around the club for years prior yeah. to that. You know what he sees, and look, he's done great work. I mean, we're viable financially, sound, some great initiatives, and, and things being done. We're still failing in the same
0: key area though, and I need someone to come in. Well, that's that's what frustrates me. It's different like, and, and and shake the place up a little bit. Going back, in, going into Eddie's ten years, so they took over in ninety nine, uh, and in two thousand eight unfilled Malthouse and the Lexus and shit like that. And then they got to a grand final night too, and I just remember fucking going to that grand final because I'm an idiot, thinking, oh, fuck, we win this one and that's it. It'll t-. And I thought this is pretty much... It'll since, tie the room together, man. Since 81, you know, well, actually, first grand final I went to was 80, but since 81, I kept thinking, I just need to win this one and just fucking break open the failure box that surrounds the club, and then bang. And I thought if we win in, I thought Miami was going to do it, but we fucked that up. 02, I thought if we win the grand final three years after a wooden spoon, fuck that, will just totally reinvent this club. We lost. And then we lost another one. And I was like, oh, fuck, okay. And then we won in 010, and I thought, oh, if we, yeah, this is the chance now because it's a youngster, and oh, we fucked that up. And we talked about this quite extensively, but it just, to me, it really is exasperating that you sort of keep hitting the same fucking wall.
1: They need to win one. At the moment, there is just a real sense of apathy going around the, the supporter base. Uh, as much as uh, that, that majority that just undyingly love them, there's it, going to be a time when even their patience is tested. And I don't think the next generation well, of problem, supporters die of old are going to be that loving and understanding. I think that era of supporter is dying. Well, I think you've got to look at them objectively and, and expect and demand results. In that, in, and I think that's where the next generation of supporters is going to be very, very uh, judgmental. You know only not
0: think is humble, this club? and it's contributed to the apathy, is for as long as I've followed them, they've always hung their hat on some shit or another. I mean, going back to the 80s, it was like we're on 13 flags, blah, whatever. And then going through the 2000s and early 2010s, it was like, oh, we've got the most members. And then Richmond just blew them the fuck out of the water. And it was almost like, you know what? You're just a fucking nothing club now. You don't have the flags. You don't have the members. What the fuck do you have? You, can, you were holding on to all these talking about, oh, we've got this and that, you know, and there was none of this talk about Richmond like there was with Hawthorne and shit when they were having big membership surges. Oh, they're signing up dogs and pets and blah, blah. It was just Richmond. You just appreciated the fact that they awakened the fanatical within their fan base through success. And they backed it up to their fucking great credit this year. And... For me, it's like Collingwood just constantly hung their hats on prior accomplishments. It's like, oh, oh they still do, they live and, in the past. And that whole, you know, when Hawthorne was on um, free, did their free peat, and you know, yet Collingwood fans go, oh, they, they can't fucking, they can't tie our four. No. Well, some in Brisbane were going for it. It's like I wanted Brisbane to fucking break, because yeah, it's so like, that's the last vestige of hat hanging that we have yeah, left. you know, just fuck it. And these sides have been in a row, 100 a years ago. I mean, that's great, you know, by that club, uh, by both sides, but it's like, you know, can we stop hanging our hat on history and make some new fucking history? And that we can't do that, and that we don't even actually seem to attack that with the tenacity that it deserves and a single-minded focus that doesn't seem to actually emerge from the club. But they really just seem to exist like a lot of other clubs because it's just part of the competition and they're just one part of it. It generates that apathy that you have talked about, and it just makes me think. Well, I really get frustrated and angry and sad when we fucking lose. If we lose on the Friday night, that's it. You fucked up my whole weekend, mm-hmm. you know. And if we lose, people who see me over the oh, over the next week, but when I see them for the first time, it's like you seriously better not say the wrong thing because I will fucking lose my shit because we lost, you know. And I feel like I'm investing all that energy. An emotion into it, and they could not give a fuck. And it's like the response to Taz sorry, we misplaced your email. No, that's, that's it's like a metaphor thing. for Collingwood.
1: There is no Collingwood membership department now. It's all outsourced to Ticketmaster, one of the greatest fucking debacles of an organisation I've ever encountered in my life. And it doesn't half show. No. You know, it's just ridiculous. There's just no care now. You're just a, a, a source of income, essentially. It's outsourced to them. They manage it in terms of you give me money, I give you ticket. That's as much as we ever wanna uh, cohabitate with. You know, that's one of the funniest things is, you know, I, I don't want that member polo that I keep getting every year. And you give me no fucking unclick option on my ticket disaster guessing. I've emailed the club for three years running and they said, we'll take care of it, which is just going back to Ticketmaster anyway. And every year I still keep getting this polo I don't want. And yeah, well, that's just endemic of about the care factor and the listening that just isn't happening. There. Well,
0: the thing too, I remember like, it well, this was probably over 10 years ago now, but um, I was getting all those bullshit emails. I was like, I'm fucking basically spamming. It was like, oh, six hours to the game, sign up for this. And I was getting sick of these fucking emails. And like, I'd keep trying to unsubscribe and I couldn't do it. And I rang up the fucking club. This is when the membership department was just there. And I go, well, I'm trying to unsubscribe. They go, well, have you logged in. I go, well, I wasn't even aware I had to log in. I go, yeah, it's this. It's like, I've never done... I've never registered that login. I've never registered that password. You just assigned it to me and then assigned me all these fucking emails and then I finally got out of them. But it's like, why are you forcing shit down my throat that I fucking don't want? And when I actually try and follow it up, it goes from this huge rigmarole to fucking get an answer. So I'm swearing a lot now because it's just... It's frustrating that you really get to this oh, point like, of... It's like, yeah, you know, you're engaging no at the moment is, is
1: you're emailing me 14 times a day to bid on match day jumpers from oh, yeah. Anzac Day or something this year. Six hours to go, five hours to go. I don't fucking care. I don't want to buy somebody's old jumper. And, and especially in a nothing game. You know, like great Anzac Day, you win them, but you really, it's a nothing thing. You win a flag, I'll bid on a jumper then. Yeah. But ultimately, you know, and this is the other thing with the merchandising stuff now these days. Is they know that they make money out of the, like the, the match day worn jumpers. They change the jumper every quarter in a yeah. grand final just so that you can say, well, here's four copies of this match day worn jumper and the warm up jumper and this whole pair of underpants that you can all bid on. Why is the club trying to make money out of bidding on old bits of football merchandise?
0: I don't know. I it, it's I don't know if it's just the passive revenue generator or whatever, but it just it, it it's like almost when you see him um, post stuff on Twitter like, oh, fuck, the goalie, how special. And they show a highlight from the grand final. It's like, mate, don't show us the fucking grand final. You know, just... Why don't like, you give me a nice paper cut and pull yeah, the injuries in there? Yeah, yeah.
1: Th- there is just a, a bit of a disconnect, I think, with the club and the supporter base. Now, I think they, they, they think they're doing the right thing. Like, the Twitter feed these days is, is a farce. The things that they talk up and, and the positive spins they try to put on debacle performances... Is it, it's just the wrong thing to say at the wrong time. Yeah, uh, And it's just a lack of awareness about what it is to follow a club. It's like, if you don't get it and you work there, then why are you expecting us to, to just absorb it all? When we, when we get angry, we don't, we don't like it. I don't get it. I don't get it either. But... And we don't get flags either.
0: Anyway, I think that's it. I think, I think we've,
1: we've waffled along enough. There's about 17 days of your life you're not getting back. So don't come asking for a bill.
0: And uh, I think it's just we're just kidding about all of it. <laughs> 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 oh, it was just a dream. It's <laughs> the Scooby-Doo ending. Uh, Would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for those damn kids. That pesky club. Yeah. Anyway, if you're stuck with us this long, thanks for watching. We'll be back sometime out there. When we think of some other shit we want to say. Yeah.
1: Alright, thanks for enduring this. Later.